Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Get ready for impeachment. It's time for another podcast. We welcome you to Make It Plain, the podcast. Of course, we have a live daily show every day. Uh, we invite you to subscribe at makeitplain.com. But this is our podcast available everywhere to everyone. Um, you know, I have a staff, and they help to book my guests, and I rarely um, screen guests in the, to the extent people say, well, do you want this person or not? I usually accept all guests. Yeah. And Andrew, my producer, said that there was a documentary coming out about a poet. That's all he said. I said, okay, well, I mean, I, and again, I'm open. Documentary about a poet. And then, you know, he was sharing some information with me, and I was like, okay, and I'm still. Then he finally says the name. I said, this ain't a poet. This is my friend. <laughs> but no, he is. And we have known each other for years. At probably it, it, over 30 years. Because if we go back to the 80s. You know, let's see, I was born in 1989, so, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> So he's known me since I was a baby. No, nah, I'm just kidding. He's known me since I was in my 20s. Yeah. You all have known him, not up, and cl- up close and personal like I have, but you all have known him uh, historically as one of the last poets, that revolutionary group which many consider to be the true pioneers of hip-hop. All right. But uh, one of the last poets is here with us. And there's a documentary about his life and his journey that is out now. None other than Umar bin Hassan. My brother, how are you? Fine. Listen, man. Good to see you, man. You, know yeah, you look you. great, too, man. Man, yeah, I, I had to start looking great. You know, I was getting a little, you know, a bit out of shape and everything. But listen, I would like to tell all your listeners who uh, listen to this um, 
the show, who have been listening to the show, this young man next to me has always been in search of the truth. I mean, always. And he's mm. always been very truthful and honest with a whole lot of us. That's what I liked about Mark. He was, you know, he was open, and he didn't judge you for who you were or what education that you had. He always came out as somebody who could work with you and be part of what you do. And uh, he and he's um, always been in search of the truth. And also, will tell you, he's, he he will tell you who, what you think you are and what you ain't. He'll tell you that <laughs> right up front. So it's just good to see when somebody says you're gonna be on Mark show. I said, oh, no, no, Mark. And then I saw his picture. I said, yeah, okay, I'm going down and hang out with my boy. Going down and hang out with my boy. So I'm glad to be here today with the baby boy. Well, well, and let me say this about you all: getting to know you and Dune up close and personal. I mean, you all were like that, a shot of adrenaline to everything that we were doing, you know, and, and we were together at a time. We went down in Washington, D.C. Uh, with Dick Gregory and Brother Bay, Bay. And, and we had we had a lot of movement going on. We did. There was a lot of demonstration, yes, movement on the ground. Yes, we, can, was. we was calling shots. Something was going down. Hey, y'all, meet us on Capitol Hill. Yeah. We about to bust a move. Seriously. And the poets were like, you know, the, the soundtrack and the inspiration. That was... You, it was nothing like being able to do all that and have you all right there, especially considering you know what you all have inspired over how many decades? When, when did the last poets first? That's fifty years now. This is our fifty years. It's been fifty years. Fifty years in this business. Wow. Fifty years, man. And we we've got some old friends like you, but then we've got another lot of little young friends now who uh, yeah. have been following us around. So we got happy. We happy to you know still be even though some of us have been through uh, certain changes, including myself, but we're happy to be here, man. You know, I'm mean, happy to be here with you and to hang out with the brother, uh, Mr. Mike Krause, who putting this together, so I'm uh, I'm okay. I'm okay, man. So, now, uh, let's focus on a key word for a moment. 50 years in this business. You still in business? Yes, we are. You all are still, still performing and touring? Matter of fact, I gotta get on the bus uh, tomorrow to get out to Orlando to hang out with them, because uh, have, we have a gig in Orlando. Uh, Saturday, so um, I gotta be out here in the morning to catch that bus. Yeah, you know? um, well, no, that's that's it's a blessing to still be in business, isn't it? It is at, at this age and for 50 years, and people still so, calling on us and want to hear us. And we still, matter of fact, we have a new album out on um, uh, it's called Toxic Americans, it's on Rope and Dope Records. Look it out, Billboard gave it a good review, okay. I think Rolling Stone. Of course, it's good because that you haven't you haven't put out anything. Bad. No, ever. we always tried to make what we did a hit or familiar to people's ears or make them feel like we were close to them or, or make them know that we were part of them, no matter what we were going through, who they were going through. We've always tried to hold that thing up. Well, you know, about family, about all of us are family. You know what I mean? The only reason y'all didn't get the real burn that you might have deserved sometime was not because it was bad, but because niggas are They're scared of revolution. And, and more than niggas, the white man is too. True. I mean, putting y'all if if y'all have been put on top, it, it, it scared a whole lot of people. Ooh, it scared a whole lot of people. <laughs> I mean, just where we were at, you know, that in the middle between the good and the bad, we still yeah. were scared people. Yeah. Because our words, the words that we were so young, but we were bringing images out of our mouths that totally mirrored and and glossed on what was going on in America. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, uh, like white man's got a god complex. The mean machine, automatic push button, remote control, synthetics, genetics, command control. So the law wrote that poem some 50 years ago. And now what is happening? Automatic push button, remote control. Yes. Synthetics, genetics, command your soul. Command your soul. You know? That's right, that's right, that's right. New documentary about your life. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, this young brother whom I was just talking to on the phone, Daniel Cricky, he's uh, from uh, Amsterdam, and his mother, she wrote a, I'm part of the family now, his mother wrote a book uh, called The Last Boys, and then next thing I know, he told me, a young boy at 14, I was leaving, I just left, because I'm like part of the family. I'm like part of the family. You know, I'm like part of the family, so as I was leaving, uh, meeting with him about maybe 10 years ago, he said, Lamar, I'm gonna do a movie about you. Mm. And I said, yeah, okay, you know, I said, all right, okay. And, you know, he's a young boy, he's about 14 years old yet. He said, Lamar, I'm gonna write a movie about you. So I went back and I hugged him and I guess, okay, and then I made my way to get to the to the plane. But then I thought, wait, oh, Daniel's a, he's a Scorpio and I'm a Scorpio. And when Scorpio say we're gonna do something, we're gonna do something. So <laughs> ten years later, he rolling up with his boys, um, um, his other boys uh, who were who were who were, who were uh, helped do this movie. Cause we traveled throughout the Midwest uh, in a hot summer, man, making this movie, man. Where I lived, uh, Thomas, um, Thomas and, and Stein, his uh, his big helpers, and uh, it was deep, man. But like on that work together. Them young white boys became like my brothers, man, because they were wow. they were showing my life, you know, yeah. and they were carefully showing my life and putting it together. So I had to consider them. I mean, we went through some changes, you know, because you out there in the hot summer in the Midwest and you're filming and people want you to do this and that, but we got it done. Scared Revolution Scared. is a documentary. When you say you were moving throughout the Midwest, you were back home yeah. in the Akron area, yeah, and you were dropping in on some of your old people, yeah, right? Some yeah. of your partners uh, and whatnot. Yeah, and up in the Flint, uh, Flint, Michigan area too, where I was living at the time. So, uh, we, we, we got it done, man. We got it done. Then no, it's amazing. It isn't, it isn't interesting how ultimately we all end up in the same place. But that's what I'm saying. And, and the know? people who would, who would demonize folk like y'all. I mean, y'all were a threat to the status quo. What this documentary th- does, though, is is show we all the same. We all, all are human, and we just seeking that truth uh-huh. and trying to make it. And trying to treat other human beings that's like right. we want to be that's treated right. too. You that's know right. what I'm saying? That's, that's all. right. You know, so uh, you here with your mic doing the same thing, showing human beings how human you are, and try to elicit some type of humanity from them. So we can always say, yeah, what is it? It's a big party. Let's have a big party. Why are we still going through all this hatred and stupidity and silliness? Even though there's some of us who want to do that on both sides, you know. But like, you know, we this is America, man. And we all are Americans. I mean, I'm not, I say I'm not American. Everywhere I go, I always wind up coming back here. I'm an American. Yeah. You know, yeah, I ain't yeah. sure. I don't nobody tell me I'm not. But I always wanted to be the country to be better than it is, and it can be better than it is. And I was just talking to Michael about how the young kids, I think they're trying to make this better because they're tired of the racism and the pettiness. They're really tired of it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? This documentary goes into your personal story. Yes. And some does. of the challenges you had. Yeah. Um, it was a real challenge, your relationship with your dad, wasn't it? Oh, it was a real challenge, man. I decided to kill my father at one time. I decided to kill my father because he was being so fun. And he was a hell of a musician, man. I mean, some of the bands would come in, like Count Basie or Ellington. They would go, give me Sonny Hugh and go give me. Everybody knew he could play that trumpet. But it was but the, the, the problem, my grandmother was always beating him down and telling him, oh, you're a musician. And, you know, when your mother constantly beating you down, that don't help. Now, you know, when you especially need some love from her, 
and some inspiration. So he would come sometime, come back and take, you know, um, that pill out on us, man, and especially with my mother. And so I, I had made a decision to kill him. I really did. I went out and got a hatchet from this, uh, uh, this uh, little uh, sporting store called Western Auto. You know, Lord Hatchet, and I showed my mother. I said, Mama, you come back here, yo, you. I'm going out to you. She said, Oh, boy, you ain't going to do that. You ain't going to do that. But then he came back one night and busted it again. Tell me, Oh, this is my house. Ain't paying a nickel rent. And busted it. And I'm going to start beating up my mother. And I had the hatchet. Mm. And I was getting ready to come down on it. My mother grabbed it out of my hand and ran upstairs. And he ran upstairs and beat her up again. So, and, 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 and the thing was that he, like I say, was a brilliant musician. Reading about, he taught music, man, but he just so frustrated by his own mother was constantly beating him up, and he was taking out on us, man. Um, how did that? So after that incident with the hatchet, yeah. what was the relationship like? Well, he saw it, and he knew that I had it, so it's like he kind of stayed away. But then, for about one time, how old were you then? I was 11 years old at that wow, time. Wow, 11 years old. I was 11 years old. Man. Pulling a weapon on your dad. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was 11 years old, man. Because I just constantly got tired of sitting and beating up on my mother and terrorizing us, man. You know, because you were supposed to be here somebody we looking for love and me constantly getting terrorized man, mm -hmm. and threatening. Mm -hmm. How many siblings you, did you have? Uh, there was nine of us, eight of us, eight of us. Okay. In the okay. projects in Akron, Ohio. Wow. So, but we made it out because we stood together and we had our mother, you know, to help us. And then, you know, we always had a, you know, my mother, I, I don't know what it is. Well, you know, she's a black woman, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't give too many um, things too much nice about them because they do the job that they've been doing ever since we came over here from from Africa, trying to protect us and love us and help us get forward. So I, my mother was, was it, still is, man, still is. Again, the hatchet, you were 11. Did your did your parents did your mother ever eventually leave your father? Yeah, yeah, she did. She eventually left him. Yeah, okay. she had to, you know, right. because um, she couldn't go through that the rest of her life. Well, he actually had what happened. Let me tell you, because at thirteen, he came and broke in again. And, and but this time I was mad because I started walking out because I was running track and playing football in high, junior high school, and you know I had some weight on me. And he came in. And this time he came. He grabbed the bat and he swung on me. But I grabbed the bat just with my hand and held on to it. And you could see he couldn't move because I, I hold it. And I just mm. pushed him and he left. And I never saw him again for maybe like 15, 20 years after that. Man. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. You he know. knew you were a man. He did. And he showed that respect and he left. He left the house, man. How did your relationship with your dad shape you? Well, first of all, you said he was a hell of a musician. Yeah. So was there any musical influence that you got from him after oh, well, all? Well, you know, at one time I was taking trumpet lessons in the, um, in the third grade because he gave me one of his trumpets. And I was taking trumpet and he was trying to show me how to uh, play the trumpet. He taught me about all the, you know, different notes, the blue notes, the flat right. fifth. He taught me all that, you know. So, and everybody said when they do it, found that he was a musician. Well, Ma, you're a musician because sometimes you're poor. You sound like a musician when you do your poetry. So that's probably him coming out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, that sense of musicality, that's probably mm -hmm. him coming out of me. Mm -hmm. I'm on stage. I'm quite sure it is, you know. How did that relationship with him affect your other relationships? Um, well, everybody knew what was going on in the house, but it was cool. I, uh, all my friends knew, and they, uh, they understood, and uh, they uh, just told me just 
don't take it too far, Armand. Don't you know go too far. I'll just try to understand the changes that he's going through and try to give him a little play. Understand that too, and I did because I realized that my grandmother was just beating him down, always mm -hmm. beating. Him. And she started laying after me. She actually beat my grandfather down too, <laughs> and my father. And so they had quit. So I um, had to. Grandma sound mind. like she was a trip. She was. <laughs> She what was. was up with her, man? Uh, I don't know what. She grew up in Alabama, and I always thought, I don't know what happened to my grandmother in Alabama. I don't know. Maybe something, she was assaulted by some men or something like that. But to, to just take it out on her, the men who were around her, wanted love from her, wanted to give her love, she just, she couldn't do it. Wow. You know? She couldn't do wow. it. Wow, wow. And, you know, and, and this is not just my story. There's other stories probably like this, too, you know, because you, being black and growing up and, in America, wasn't easy for us, man. You know, especially no. those who didn't have no, no father in the house. You know? Now, uh, you have you had children? Did you have children? Yeah, yeah, I got oh, your daughter. I got children. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, we won't go on the record. We, I won't ask about no numbers or nothing. Yeah, but I got um, what was as a result? Because sometimes we have these relationships with our parents and yeah. grandparents. Then it manifests in our relationships, even though we try for it not to. Yeah. How did that? Did that impact but, your relationship with your children? But it always, I've always loved my children. I Good. always took care of them. Because you didn't want to be like your father. No, I didn't want to be like your right. father. But right. then the thing came down with the drugs, though, and I separated myself from them for a while. And uh, that really hurt them, and it hurt me, too. But then I made my way back to them. That's what mm -hmm. made me want to you know, get all this stuff out of me and the demons and put them to sleep. Because I wanted to get back to my children. I didn't want to leave them out there like that. Like I was left out there mm -hmm. like that. And there's a whole lot of brothers like me. You know who that is. Some yeah. of us want to get back to our children. We may take a moment break, but we, then we realize what the most important thing was of our children, what we're leaving them, what we're giving them. Because we, I didn't want my children to see what, what daddy was a drug addict and he died on drugs and he couldn't have that. So I had to come back and clean myself up and put them demons to sleep to be with them. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm with my children now. It's interesting what you just said. Daddy was a drug addict. Is, is that what you heard in your head that made you want to do something? No, you know what made me want to do something? It's like, in, in order to protect my family, because I became the, the, the father of the family, like going out and making sure we had something to eat when there wasn't no food in the house, and taking care of and watching out for my sisters. I know my sisters used to get, get mad at me and tell my mother, I'm tired of you, mama, I'm tired of you. I mean, you act like your daddy, you act like your daddy. But I was daddy because my, none of my sisters got pregnant uh, wow. until after I left Akron, Ohio. Were you the oldest? Yeah, I was okay, the oldest. Okay, daddy. so, yeah, I was so you looked out for them. So I had mm -hmm. to look out for all that, man. You know, I had to look out for them. And uh, it took a lot of, out of me sometimes because I gave given up so much to everything else. So this was drug things was like, you know, that's what was making me like, hey, okay, well, here, I'm doing some for everybody else. Let me do something for myself. Mm -hmm. And then that niggerness in me, that nigger that who I was, that drugs helped that become more, made me become more of a nigger. I could, I could be a nigger when it was necessary, you know. <laughs> I could, and everybody knew that. My friends and my enemies, you know. So, and I was just saying, let me tell you this, about 10 years ago, I realized, even though I've been out talking about niggers, I had to admit to myself, the nigger that I was inside of me, the nigger that I was carrying around with me. I just see my, and my, cause all my friends and that, my ex-wives, girls, you know, you're a nigga, you don't know how much of a nigga you are. Mm. And I was a nigga, and I had to start, you know, in order to, and as a matter of fact, when I started killing a nigga, that's when I started killing those drug demons and gins. Mm. You know, cause they were both connected. They were so connected, it was deep. See, because it was the, the, the drugs and the alcohol that fired up the demons 
and gins. I mean, to make make sure I'm taking care of my business, to make sure I'm keeping people out of my family, to make sure I'm keeping niggas away from me. So when I started going into myself and changing myself and getting that nigga out of me, that's when I started getting control of the demons too. So for those who may be listening, and and still aren't clear about what you're saying when you say there was a nigga in you, yeah, and you had to get the nigga out of you. Some, somebody might be saying, well. What does he mean by that? Because somebody listening might have some nigga name and don't know it. No, don't know it. So who, who, what is that nigga? Who is that person that we ought to be, yeah. we ought to recognize and not and want to get out of us? Well, who can one who can be very selfish, but can act like he's still sharing and he can, but really selfish inside and start just looking out for himself when he can look out for himself. But he'll give you a little tidbits of he's humane and he's caring for other people, but basically he's a selfish person, mm. you know, and he finds things to. To, to ensure and to make that selfishness strong, which was the drugs. Keep me into my niggerness, you know, to make me more of a nigger than I should be, you know? How old were you when the drugs started? Oh, man, I was about, I was about when they really started, about 30, man, when I started messing with them. And the poets had already started, right? Yeah, the poets were already, so I, I was doing this when I was on gigs and stuff, man, you know? How, uh, uh, so, how were you when the, when the poets started? Uh, I was no, I was 20 years old when I first came in from uh, Ohio. Cause what happened was I had seen the last poets. Matter of fact, I had just come out the streets up, and it was at Antioch College, and they were doing um, a black festival there. And uh, Avril Dune and Gallen Kane and Felipe was a group at that time. And uh, when I saw them do what they did with poetry, something okay, I'm gonna get out of it because I've been getting to scribble and write a little poetry myself. But I want to go to New York and do what they did. Mm-hmm. And somehow I found my way to um, to, to New York and um, Abby O'Doone was the only one left. Gallen Kane, Chris Felipe left and Abby O'Doone was the only one still left. So he hooked me up and got me started. This thing, you know, we got together and we found this drummer that we needed by the name of Don Babatunde. We both knew him. And so that's how me and him, you know, and Don and Opportunity, but now the original group, now uh, the one who made the two albums, Niggas Care Revolution and This Is Matter, was me, uh, Jalal, who mm-hmm. wrote Jones Coming Down and, you know, on the subways and him. And Elijah was the original Conga player. But then when they quit the group and left, and, and so it, it, the, the group has been through some changes, man. It has been through some changes. Yes, but uh, me and Doom came together and for the last 30 years with Opportunity, we tried to. Put it with what we have, put it back out there on uh, notice, you know? So 50 years of The Last Poets and, of course, the documentary Scared of Revolution um, is, is out now and we want people to, uh, to see it. Um, what, how would you define The Last Poets' influence on hip-hop? Oh, very much so. Very much so, man. And the very creation I mean, of it. Yeah, because, you know, when we were dealing with the record industry at the time, here's a bunch of black young men who were just with a drum and voices and selling millions of records. Mm-hmm. We were selling millions of records back then, man. So, you know, some of those uh, record uh, people began to look, well, if we could just jive this up a little bit and make it sound a little hip and put some music to it, this could be a real big thing. So, you know, that's the thing we know there was coming out. You know, young rappers with music and behind them and rapping and carrying them. And you know the thing about that though, we've never hated them. We've never been begrudged against them. 
because we were glad they were doing that. Right, right, I mean, right. we, we, we just, I mean, we wished that we had been able to make the money that they're making, you know, but we didn't. But we never hated them. I mean, a lot of them began to know who we were. A lot of them we made friends with and became uh, young um, sugar participants, man. So I ain't never hated none of the brothers, Jay-Z or none of them, man, for doing what they done because we know that it all came back to us. We have that validation that it always came back to us. So some of them became surrogates of yours. Like, give us some examples. Who were some of the ones that well, sat uh, at your feet? Public image. Right. They've always uh, let us know. Matter of fact, and that's one of the most revolutionary we just, we ones. Were, so that I makes was, sense. I, yeah, I was just with Professor Griff last week. In, uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, in uh, Pittsburgh. Professor Griff was there. And then, of course, I mean, we met Jay-Z, and we've talked to a lot of other young rappers who've come and talked to us and shared with us. But there's some of us who just almost came like our sons, and, man, we hung out with them, and they you know, smoked up with them, and they said, yeah, man, y'all are cats. We know y'all are cats. You know, and we appreciate that. Then there developed, after P.E., this element of quote-unquote gangster rap, and then a whole other genre that was, was rather pornographic. No, we, 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 we've never been into that. We've never been into game. We never. No, no, yeah, you haven't. We never thought that was valid to us, man. That was just some record industry created to make more money. That's what we thought. And, and well, frankly, I think also to, uh, to undermine the messages you all well, were putting I, out I, there well, to dumb to dumb down the masses. But they still they couldn't do it though. They couldn't do it because here we are, a whole lot of young people now looking toward us, not just black though, but a whole lot of white kids are into the last sports. You know, I was at a the press conference yesterday with Jay Z mm -hmm. and the NFL. No, yeah, Jay Z is Movement, eh? Yeah, but the thing is, they're coming together and they want to use, the NFL wants to use music and musicians to try to uh, deal with the issues of social justice, justice. that cap raise. Yeah. But I'm like, if y'all really want to do that with music, you need acts like The Last Poets. Yeah, yeah, but they're not going to come in because some of them probably... They need to let The Last Poets perform at Super Bowl. I know, because some of them... Uh, you want me to tell them to do that? I, listen, I, I, yeah, <laughs> but we could do that. We, you know, we could do a poem for America, you understand? Because we, we dead now. But uh, we know there's still a lot of people out there who still, uh, you know, last for us, if we deal with them, you know, what is going to happen? Because, I mean, I got to give, I got to give Mike, I got to give Mike, Mike credit to understand, well, he's going to take, he's going to take this on and try to move it his way, because he didn't have to do it. He's known who... We were knowing our situation, knowing, but he's done it. He said, "Okay, I'll take it," because he said he he, he got a friend who who heard it when it was first done in uh, Amsterdam. That's where it first came out. That is big, the largest uh, the largest poetry festival in the world in Mount Amsterdam. And I was just talking to the young uh, mm -hmm. um, the young uh, I, the young boy who who done it in um, in Amsterdam. I'm going to meet with him later. He's here now in town, Daniel Craigie. You know, so uh, we, we I, you know, man, listen, to, to, to be here now, alive, and sitting up there talking with you, you know how much of a pleasure it is to see how both of us have graduated and moved into who we were supposed to be? Because yeah. we were just young men then, man. We were yes, running sir. around hoping that we could really make some changes. And in certain parts and certain places, we did. Yeah. So here we are. You got, a, you got a TV station. And I'm still going all around the country, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I, I, I'm blessed, and I thank God for that, and the ancestors, because they had to have a part in this. Oh, yeah. They had to have that oh, part. Oh, no, they had to, yeah, yeah, they did. You know? Well, well, somebody said today, 
Uh, no, I, it was there. I was looking on a website. And it was really interesting because we're around the time of Marcus Garvey's birthday, and the other day was the uh, August 13th, um, 1920, mm-hmm. was when Marcus Garvey introduced the red, black, and the green flag. And somebody had as his uh, handle on his uh, social media that um, Marcus Garvey built the first website, but he just used his hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like that. Our ancestors. I, I, I heard that. Yeah, I heard you know, that. Harriet yeah. Tubman uh, was one was the last poet, but she did it through you. Yeah. You know what and I mean? And we understand that too. And just like uh, the music. Uh, who uh, musicians in the fifties who influenced the world with a whole different sound? They, we come, we really their children like Bird. We Bob, we follow Bob. Yeah. Bird and Miles and Dizzy, we part of that. So the the, the 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 movement and the music and the understanding of who we are as a people, it's still moving. Near my now, there's gonna be some young kids, and I've met some of them who are gonna come after us. Who are gonna keep this old tradition of, you know, who we are as a people, our, our poetic expressions of survivors and all our ancestors who have kept us in place to do this, man. So it's coming. You doing that, but I've just been on this. One of the scary revolution. In the film, Dune, uh, talking about uh, his brother, Abby Odun, another one of the last poets and one of the original members, said you were scared of revolution. Mm. Yeah, I know. That's when he, when he said, why? Because he was scared of revolution. And there are probably times I was scared of revolution. Really? You know, probably times I was scared of revolution. Probably the times that when I left, I started dealing with the drugs, that my peers had me going to other things that I shouldn't have been dealing with. Uh-huh. Because I maybe I had given out so much as a young boy to protect a family and look out for a family that now I need something to protect and look out for me, and I thought it was the drugs, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast will live on uh, timelessly, but in the immediate, the film... The documentary, Scared of Revolution, the untold story of the godfather of rap, Umar Ben Hassan, will be here in New York, August 16th, at the Maisel's Documentary Center. And I'm sure after its run here in New York, it's going to be in other cities, and then ultimately, I hope, available everywhere. Y'all talking about Netflix and that kind of stuff? You talking to those people? Streaming, DVD. Yeah, all of that. So... Because this is a story that needs to be heard and needs to be told, and, and it is such an honor to see you. Now, I understand you got you going to do a little something for us? Yeah, I'll do um Because I, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. we can handle that. We ready. Umar Ben Hassan, the godfather of Time life. in becomes time out. Group anxieties become personal doubt. Expressing ourselves in dot dots and dashes, pure cocaine and false eyelashes. Living inside words that seem to lie. Living inside excuses that makes us cry. Living inside tomorrow makes us die. Time in becomes time out. Group anxieties become personal doubt. Expressing ourselves in dot dots and dashes, pure cocaine and false eyelashes. Living inside words that seem to lie. Living inside words that get us high. Living in tomorrow makes us die. Let me see, I'll try this one.
The media has been alerted to the brave new world with action-packed comedies full of Navy SEALs and dirty blinds. Welcome to the revolution where XCIA madmen go AWOL in children's cartoons. No deposits, no return. A sickness prevails in the land. The keepers of the watch are following the children. You for madness chasing games around the fire. Malt liquor grins dripping with the sacrifice of innocence. The blood in their eyes smiles so defiantly at their wounds, teasing and following laughter to its death dancing in the joys of casual violence and polite discussions of their senseless act, screaming songs of big time and champagne into the dreams of open sores that lurk and scheme in the cellars of clouds of smoke, begging for slow rides and silent ambulances to well-stocked morgues where rhythm and blues oozes out to mutual louse because wholesale genocide at discount prices, America, love it or leave it, bloated egos with small minds baptizing murder in the name of God and everything we hold sacred. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, forever let us wave our banners high, 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 sitting here in the midst of falling leaves, overwhelmed by this symphony of freedom, letting go, letting go of others who want to claim all of this as their own. A rat makes its presence known, keeping all things real, screeching and scurrying to nowhere fast, trapped in its own greed and grandiose visions of self-destruction. America, love it or leave it. Bloated egos with small minds, baptizing murder in the name of God and everything we sacred. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck forever let us wave our banners high, high, high. The godfather of hip hop and rap, Umar Ben Hassan, our very special guest here on our Make It Plain podcast. And my friends, it's been too long, man. Hey, listen, well, it's good that we still here. We did what we did. Yeah, we, so we, both we reconnected. It's a blessing. We come yeah. back together. Yeah, it is. All right, folks, uh, Scared of Revolution, check out the documentary and look for it in your city and then look for it everywhere. And Again. keep tuning in to this brother here. He will give you the truth, I'm telling you. <laughs> he will tell you if you don't like what you're saying or what you're doing, he'll let you know about it. So, and we need people like that in America right now. So this is a special little show, and you got a very special man sitting here next to me. Thank you. Thank you, Umar Ben Hassan. Uh, all right, folks, don't forget to subscribe to the live daily show at makeitplain.com. If all minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.